0: Hello and welcome to BB on the Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and I have good news. You can now listen at many of the places you would find all your usual podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply log on, search for BB on the Record and click subscribe. Well, she might only be in her early 20s, but Siobhan Bates has already established herself with one of the most famous names in banding and is celebrating four years in the principal horn seat at Black Dyke. From her highlights with Dyke to winning the Brass Pass Young Brass Award after nearly missing out, and why she opted for the tenor horn over French horn, you'll hear it all in this podcast. But first, how does the principal horn of Black Dyke spend lockdown?
1: Lockdown life is getting longer, (laughs) but we're getting through it, we're keeping sane and I'm keeping things on ticking along with my playing and at work as well. I've organised everything in the house, I've redecorated the kitchen and of course I'm still going to work, I'm one of the essential workers, I work at Tesco.
0: As a result of lockdown and the various restrictions which have been in place, of course so many events have been cancelled or postponed and the brass band world hasn't been immune from that. How strange is it for a band like Black Dyke which is one of the busiest schedules in banding?
1: It's definitely an eye-opener because you realise how much you've actually been playing with Black Dyke. So we would have rehearsals Monday, Thursday, and we'd have concerts every other weekend, or at least every weekend. But it's it's strange seeing things coming up in my diary, seeing where we would be if lockdown wasn't on. And it's just strange how many concerts we've had to miss. Um, and we're not sure how many of those have been rescheduled yet or if concerts are even going to be rescheduled for a very long time.
0: How has the band been engaging during this lockdown? Have you, have they been taking part in the Zoom quizzes or have they found other <laughs> ways of keeping in touch?
1: On our Black Dyke WhatsApp group, we still wish each other um, well and there's been many lockdown birthdays, so we've all wished each other happy birthday on them. But we have recently, in the last few weeks, we've started having like section Zoom meetings. So just so we can see our section, we can see Nick and just chat because you can't really chat to them. It's different face to face than it is just on a message. It's really personal and it's just lovely to see everyone's still coping. It's funny to see people's tans progressing, although it's not as sunny today. It's just, it's really nice to see people.
0: You're clearly in a high profile seat with a high profile band, but these circumstances are very difficult for everybody. How have you kept yourself motivated from a playing perspective?
1: Yeah, so I found a, a link with lots of different study books and I've just downloaded them all. I think there's about 50 books altogether, something ridiculous like that. You <laughs> know one's going to need 50 study books, but it's nice to have the range. Um, but what I've been doing is I've got one warm up that I do at the beginning of every day. And then I'm ready if I want to pick the horn up at any point in the day then. Um, So that's called an integrated warm-up. There's about 40 different study books then that aren't warm-ups. And I get a number generator and I pick a random book and then I do another generator for a random page and I just work on that.
0: Does that element of... Keeping things fresh help keep the interest, keep you reinvigorated there.
1: And it it gets me to do stuff that maybe they're not my favourite things, but if I'm given that situation and I've chosen that and the numbers have chosen that particular page, I have to work on that. I don't then just change it because I don't fancy doing that today.
0: One of the many events not taking place this year is the Whit Friday March contest. Are you missing not being there this time round? (laughs)
1: well that depends what the weather was going to be like if it was going to be sunny i'd be delighted to be there (laughs) but um obviously that's a big loss for black dyke um because we were meant to be using it if we won some money of course we were meant to be using it to raise money for the european in 2021 so that that's a shame and Hopefully, we'll still be able to raise the funds to go to the European if it's still going ahead in 2021.
0: On Whit Friday, as we know, it has this unique atmosphere and you have bands and supporters from all over the world descending on the villages of Yorkshire yeah. and Lancashire to take part. It is a lot of fun, but for a band like Black Dyke, it's a serious business because, as you say, there's a lot of prize money at stake too. How intense is it in the normal times when you're there? When the band is rushing around all those villages looking to impress?
1: I think what we try to do at Black Dyke is that we know it's a serious um, event for us um, but we have to keep each other's morale high otherwise we're not going to be as uh, happy performing as we would be if we were in a strict environment. It's not as strict as maybe people would think, Uh, we do try and keep each other's morale high.
0: You've been a member of Black Dyke for around four years now How do you look back on your time with the band so far?
1: Four years. It doesn't feel like four years at all. But when you think about it, yeah, it's definitely helped me develop. I think when I was before Black Dyke, I was with Fairy, but I think I was still involved with my youth band then. So I think I was very much still a youth band player. And when I went to Black Dyke, it made me raise my standards because... I couldn't play as loud as the rest of them because they're very loud. <laughs> with with time, I've, I think I've become quite loud. The technique is insane. I listen to the, the other soloists, Richard Marshall especially, and Dan Thomas. Their technique is incredible. I love a slow melody, but I would also love to be able to perform a piece that like Richard and Dan do.
0: When you're sitting in the band and you can look across, perhaps you're on the contest platform and you can look across... And you see Richard Marshall and Dan Thomas, of course, we include yourself in that bracket, but all these wonderful, wonderful players. Does that help you all to keep pushing each other forward?
1: Yeah, so when we're on a contest stage, we all know we've got a, we've got a job to do in that situation. It's nerve wracking, definitely. And all you want is for the, the other principals to do really well in their solos. So, of course, you feel for them if something doesn't quite go to plan because you know it's gone better in a different... But it's still miles better than any other thing you've ever
0: heard. Where does that intensity come from? Is that intensity always there? So on a a typical rehearsal night, is it still that same really pushing each other forward? And does that then carry on to the, the concert and the contest stage?
1: Yeah, of course. So we like to, if possible, we like to run our pieces beforehand. If we're doing it in a concert, we want the first concert run through of it to go really well so then we're thinking oh it went fine the first time and then there's just a little bit less pressure yeah we are always wanting the the highest quality and that includes in rehearsal Nick is always pushing us to to make it sound better. So say, let's say I have a Cadenza and I've decided to do it one way. Nick would then tell me how he would how he would play it if he was playing his euphonium on it. And that just gives me a whole new insight. It doesn't just leave us to our own devices and it, it really helps us to develop our playing as well.
0: How big an influence has Nicholas Childs been on your development since you joined Black Dyke?
1: I owe a lot to Nick. He's really helped me, not just in my playing, but outside of band as well. He's someone that, he's a really great ally and someone that you can talk to, and he wants you to be happy at band. So if you've got problems that are ticking on in your mind, and it's not going to help you to focus on your music, then he wants to help with that situation. So I owe a great deal to Nick Childs.
0: The band's obviously one of the most famous in the entire brass band scene. Was it always an ambition of yours to play with Black Dyke?
1: You know what, when I started the tenor horn, I wasn't even sure what ensemble it was in, because I was only young. But, when I started in my first brass band, of course Black Dyke was thrown around, but I had no idea who they were. So I had to <laughs> listen to some bands, not just Black Dyke, but obviously more bands that are up higher in the rankings. When you hear Black Dyke play, it's it's a completely different ball game. Let's say I'm s- sat in a first section band; you have no idea what could better you in that situation. But you listen to Black Dyke, it's like, oh, they can better me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looking across all the projects you've undertaken with the band so far, from the contests to the concerts, the travelling, the recordings and so on, what have been some of your highlights so far?
1: Definitely one of my absolute highlights would have been my first solo recording with the band on a on a CD. It's kind of like CD evidence that I was in the band kind of thing. Uh, but my first solo was Over the Rainbow and I'd been playing that since I'd joined the band and obviously before joining the band, it's a classic for a tenor horn, but definitely one of the highlights would be putting a solo track down.
0: Recording can be quite a high-pressure environment, but was that offset a little bit by the fact that you had these wonderful musicians around you and supporting you in that process?
1: Yeah and kind of recording for Black Dyke is a little bit second nature. It's a bit like rehearsal and it's a bit like a whole different setting but we do it very often at Black Dyke whether it's a Philip Wilby project or um, a Derek Scott project which we recently did but it's very much second nature because we have rehearsals and then most weeks we might have a recording. So I think my first rehearsal I did my first rehearsal and then I think I had a recording. the rehearsal after that I was thrown in the deep end straight from the off really.
0: (laughs) What about on the contesting stage is there a performance that particularly sticks in your mind Um, a real treasured one so far?
1: It has to be the Yorkshire area where we played pageantry because I think that was my first area and I managed somehow (laughs) to get the the solo prize on the it was the second movement of pageantry and to get that award which you, i was absolutely not expecting was a pretty proud moment for me
0: clearly playing in a band like dyke gives a certain level of expectation we've talked about from yourselves and your colleagues around the stand but also of course when you turn up and there are audiences there how much do you relish that and really enjoy that
2: i
1: absolutely love seeing a full hall and being able to perform to them it, there's no greater feeling than packed out audience and wanting to listen to you. That's, that's a lovely feeling.
0: Well, Siobhan, we now come to the piece of the podcast. This is where my guests chat a little bit about a piece that's very dear to them in one way or another. Now, there's actually a piece you might have chosen, but I gather it hasn't been recorded yet. Tell me more.
1: <laughs> so for my lockdown birthday this year, um, I got a, a brand new commission by Paul Lovett Cooper. My boyfriend decided that, that would be a, a much better present than buying me like a bar of chocolate or something. It's so dear to my heart because um, it means so much and I can play it and just think of the story behind it. So it's called Upon Green Veils and that's based on, there's a lovely place in Huddersfield called Castle Hill. It's just beautiful scenery. There's a castle and there's just greenery all around. So that's what that's that's based on. And it's lovely to think of the story whilst I've been practising it, but it's yet to have its world premiere. So look out for that
0: one. Well, we look forward to hearing that piece as soon as is safely possible to be done. Um, So without giving away your actual choice just yet, why have you opted for the piece you've eventually chosen today?
1: This piece I haven't actually played, but I've listened to on repeat. There's a section in this, in this work where it just makes you want to dance. Whenever I listen to it, I'm dancing. I listened to it this morning before the podcast. I, I still absolutely love it. And the technique behind, because you're not playing a brass instrument at this point, um, the technique behind that must have been absolutely nerve-wracking. <laughs> what if the note didn't come out? The, the Black Dyke recording from 2005 is a particular favourite of mine.
0: So Siobhan, do reveal oh What is your piece of the podcast?
1: Extreme Makeover by Johan de
2: Thank you. management and you
0: The Sound of Black Dyke Band, conducted by Nicholas Childs, performing Extreme Makeover by Johan de May. That's a live recording from the 2005 European Brass Band Championships, held in the Netherlands, at which Black Dyke was crowned European Champion. And it's today's piece of the podcast, chosen by my guest, Siobhan Bates. Siobhan Bates. You've achieved so much already in your playing career. In fact, it's quite incredible. You've been a member of Youth Brass 2000 and you performed at the European Youth Championships with the band. You've also played with the Fairy Band, GUS, Foresters Brass and the Greslake Colliery Bands and its youth band. You've studied at Huddersfield, Salford and the Royal Northern College of Music across all these experiences from the bands to the teachers and so on. Who have been some of your biggest musical influences?
1: I have to say that for the tenor horn, there's no other influence than Owen or Shona. Owen has the the best technique I've ever heard and Shona has the most lyrical sound, which I definitely aspire to play, just like Shona's sound. Other influences that maybe aren't as well-known in the brass band world, definitely my conductors at the Gresley Colliery Youth Band. Uh, There were quite a few that... I've recently done a Zoom with Sam Wynn and the Wantage Silver Band. Um, he was my conductor for a while. Forrester's, Peter Collins, he always gave me um, a solo to do, which always got me on my feet and given me that exposure at contests as well. But definitely a massive highlight was Youth Brass 2000 and Chris Jeans. I, I definitely owe a lot to my current career because of Chris Jeans.
0: What? was it about his influence or perhaps the opportunities that he gave you during that time that helped equip you for where you are now?
1: He gave me the opportunity of performing a solo at the the European Youth Championships, which very recently after that was when I joined Black Dyke. So it was, if it wasn't for that exposure, I don't think I possibly could have uh, got to where I am now. But um, winning that solo prize on that day again, Youth Brass 2000 were um, getting second quite regularly when we went to the European and we definitely got second again that year but it felt like a win to me and the year after I think we then won or a couple of years after we won and that was an absolute highlight for Youth Brass. For
0: In 2019 you enjoyed another highlight because you won the Brass Pass Young Brass Award. What was that experience like?
1: Uh, Young Brass Award was a third time lucky uh, experience for me. I'd, I had tried a few times to um, Enter that competition and hopefully win. I actually didn't get through to the final originally. People are calling it the fluke of the century, <laughs> but I, I didn't get through to the final. And and one of the trombone players dropped out because I think he uh, became a member of the European Youth Orchestra or something—an opportunity he couldn't turn down. I got the email. I think it was on my mum's birthday, so my mum got a nice surprise for her birthday. <laughs> and then I, I definitely had to widen my horizons with the. Um, the uh, repertoire i was going to choose because i'd chosen very typically brass band tenor horn solos recently and it, it obviously wasn't working out so i had to expand my horizons and do this piece by um, philip Wilby. i think it doesn't get performed very often it was premiered by leslie howey with black dyke back in 2000 and something but um it a piece that i wasn't technically ready for when i started it and it took a lot of work And I'm really glad that it paid off and it was a a fantastic piece to work on.
0: Clearly did pay off and it all ended very well for you with that particular award. It's often the case that a young player doing very well on the tenor horn has a bit of a decision to make. If they're keen to go pro, that sometimes means heading over to French horn with a view to playing in a symphony orchestra. But you didn't follow that path, did you?
1: I didn't. I rebelled. Um, My French horn teacher... He was very keen to make me stay on French horn, but I didn't want to. I loved the tenor horn and there were many, well, there was one aspect in particular on the tenor horn, which was vibrato, which I absolutely love doing. You can't do that on the French horn, apparently. It's frowned upon. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I, I definitely chose tenor horn for favour of myself and not what other people were thinking. I I love the tenor horn.
0: Was that a difficult decision to make or were you very clear in your mind from the off that you really wanted to keep pursuing tenor horn?
1: In my mind I wanted to pursue the tenor horn. I think what my problem was was trying to please a few people at the same time like my French horn teacher for example and the whole establishment at the, the Birmingham Junior Conservatoire. They wanted me to play French horn but I didn't want to disappoint. So that's, I think that might have been why I carried on French horn just a little bit longer than I really wanted to. My mum and dad have always been extremely supportive. They said, whatever you choose, want, we will support it. And they have done ever since. And I'm really grateful for them.
0: You've had this wonderful rise to the top and to your seat with Black Dyke. What would you say to any other young players listening who might be inspired by your path and, and want to follow suit? What should they be doing?
1: Definitely listen to top bands. Like I said, when I was a youngster, I didn't really listen to bands. But when I started to, I realised where I wanted to go, which was the Black Dyke Band. So it's important to have that goal in your mind. And I've done a few Zoom lessons recently and people are saying like they're in a youth band. But I know that when I started at uh, Gus and stuff, that it's a whole different ball game to a youth band. So people tell me that there aren't may, maybe spaces for them to go and sit in their bands but there's no harm in asking their conductor just to go and sit in and feel the environment of a senior band because it's totally different so once you start doing that you get the feel for where you'd like to grow to and definitely just keep on practicing I, I know it's a very generic thing to say but um, keep it fun uh, don't do it because other people want you to if you don't want to do it then you don't have to it would be a great idea to just keep listening to professionals, keeping yourself inspired, because if it's not fun anymore, you're not going to want to do it.
0: You've already touched upon a couple of players who have really inspired you uh, and who you really have enjoyed listening to. How important is it to be listening to some of the finest players on your instrument, whichever it happens to be, in terms of giving you an idea of the sound that you want to produce?
1: Yes, yeah, so when I was working on solos, for in particular, Over the Rainbow, but way before Black Dyke, like when I was just starting playing Over the Rainbow, I was all over YouTube just listening to other versions. There was version by Arvon Owen, I think I listened to On Repeat. And my mum would have it on in the background as well. It's just nice to have a, an image in your mind, a musical image that you want, to, you want to fit into that image.
0: That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can enjoy a digital subscription of British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. Go to BritishBandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.